0: Welcome to the Azure Podcast, a weekly podcast to keep you up to date on what's new on our cloud platform, Microsoft Azure. Your hosts, Cynthia Crane, Evan Basilik, Suji Damello, Ken Rodin, Kel Teeter, and Russell Young discuss a different service or solution on each show with subject matter experts to explain how to get started, how different services work, and how to make decisions in tricky scenarios. You can find out more about our podcast at azpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at Azure Podcast.
1: Well, welcome back to the Azure Podcast. This is episode number 458 being recorded on the 26th of April, 2023 with special guest Elizabeth Graham. I'm Sajid and on teams with me, we have Evan and our special guest Elizabeth, who we're going to get to in just a minute. Uh, but before that, let's uh, talk about some news. Uh, Evan, I put a few news items in the uh, in the uh, OneNote, so which I can cover. Uh, I don't know if yeah, you go have ahead. I actually uh, don't a chance to anything.
0: I don't have anything that, uh, today. I've okay, been, I've been slack on my responsibilities of keeping uh, up with news.
1: <laughs> no worries, yeah. And you know, we actually just uh, constantly recorded one just earlier this week, so we did cover some of the news then. But believe it or not, even those last few days, uh, there's been a few updates, right? And uh, Elizabeth and I were just kind of uh, remarking about this earlier that uh, Azure Service Fabric uh, nine point one was released. I'd, I didn't even know that they were still putting out releases, but apparently they are. You know, and so this is the old uh, service Fabric uh, system, which was originally only on Windows. And now it runs on Windows and Linux, and you know, it's got Java SDK, .Net SDK, so they're kind of a full-fledged uh, system for packaging and distributing applications, running them reliably, et cetera. Uh, so all of those uh, features are being put into open source. They're actually moving from their internal um, repo to the GitHub uh, repo now. So they're st- yeah. totally starting to do that, and so it's becoming a true open source uh, project, yeah. right?
0: I I can't speak to um sort of the customer base of Service Fabric out in the in the public world. I'm just not familiar with it. But I will say there are still a lot of internal Microsoft services that are heavily dependent on Service Fabric. So it. It doesn't surprise me that we're still actively investing, you know, in it as a technology. Um, it's it's have it's in heavy use for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. And if it, you know, if if they can make it not Windows specific, uh, that yeah. helps everybody, right?
0: Absolutely. Uh,
1: another update that came up recently was the cross-region service endpoints uh, for Azure Storage. And so this is, you know, if you have service endpoints to you connect your storage to, it. it used to be that you had to be only in one region. Uh, Now you can have Vnets in different regions connecting the same service endpoint. It's nice if you have a distributed application. You can kind of, uh, you know, I know uh, uh, Elizabeth for one has been working on, has been looking at uh, some of the redundancy in in storage accounts and and that kind of plays nicely uh, with that, where you can access them from different uh, regions. And uh, thirdly, uh, I will say is uh, this is uh, the uh, Azure File Service, right? Also part of Azure Storage. Uh, being able to mount azure files uh, as a, as a as a smb uh, mount it used to be only something you could do from windows uh, and now that's available for uh, for linux as well and so uh, you can have linux clients as long as they're connected to your AAD uh, service uh, you can uh, use the identity based access uh, to connect to them so that again it's all very secure there's no kind of you know secrets and credentials floating around in the unix system uh, it's all done automatically so those are the three updates that we've had uh, and uh, we'll turn the mic over to elizabeth elizabeth thank you so much for joining us today uh, please uh, introduce yourself uh, to uh, our listeners and uh, tell us uh, you know what you do at microsoft what you're passionate about and we'll take it from there
2: i'm a software engineer uh, for CSE, I have been with Microsoft for 10 years now. My anniversary was last month. Congrats. And um, I have been in the integration space now for many years, actually, since, uh, since the very first release of BizTalk server um, in ah, 2000. Ah, BizTalk.
0: Love BizTalk. Uh-huh. Yes.
2: So, yes, that's, that's my background. Yeah. And um, through BizTalk, I was part of uh, a partner system uh, called it was the BizTalk uh, VTS team. Um, so again, just been in the integration space for a long time now. Um, you know, very very familiar with the tools that have been come that have been uh, around in Microsoft for you know since pretty much the beginning. So
0: nice.
1: So uh, you know, let when we say uh, integration services, that's kind of a sort of a loose term uh, that we use. of course, uh, it's something that me uh, has different meanings. Uh, so maybe let's just uh, be a little bit crisp to our listeners as to what you mean by integration services, especially, of course, as it relates to Azure. Mm-hmm.
2: So integration services is really the integration uh, of different applications, if you will. So. Um, The messaging and sending messages between applications, um, the ability to uh, build a business process around those messages as well. And that's really where the integration space is. It is receiving messages in, processing them, and then sending them out or creating a a way for people to get the messages, um, different messages. So that's that's the integration space and, and the tools that have been built around doing that processing.
0: And I think what's interesting, Elizabeth, you you know and and this is sort of where I, you know we're going today in the general conversation. This is not a new problem. This right. is you know there's been a lot of different technologies to do it over the years, but the patterns don't really change at the end of the day. Right.
2: Right. And it's a different thought process. So when you're working with integration, it's a different thought process than when you're doing custom development. Um, and I, I like to tell the story of when I first started, I, I actually took it over from somebody who um, was going on an extended vacation and she had, she had the application almost finished. Um, and I looked, went into it and I was much younger. Um, and you know, obviously knew quite a bit more and, uh, was like, there's no, there's no object oriented you know, orientation work here. There's no encapsulation. I'm going to fix all this. Gonna make it work, and it failed miserably. Because,
0: I was gonna say, how'd that work out? <laughs> yeah, it, it it
2: it wouldn't even load the file. So um, uh, but it made me have to. I had to stop and pause and really learn the the business processing functionality of when you're ingesting a message. You want to, uh, you know, make sure that it's flexible enough that if customer A sends you a message customer B can also send you a message, but you're not changing your business process, right? If' you're, if you're sending in a sales order, the sales order is going to go through the same process, your process, right as, as the person process um, as the company processing it. But again, if you have two different customers, their formats might look different. The information they're sending might be a little different. Um, so you have to make it flexible enough to accept both messages. Um, but yet yeah, keep the process that you're building the same and reuse that process. Um, And then on the other side, right, once the process is complete, you might, when you start it, you might start thinking, oh, you know, I I know the invoice system needs to pick up this order. Um, And so you might build it for the invoice system, but you also have to make it flexible enough that down the road, either your invoice system is going to change or you're going to add a different process that needs that information. So it's, it's that's the patterns.
1: So, uh, and I understand now that writing custom code is maybe not the best approach <laughs> in doing this. And of course, there's a there's a lot of Azure services that are available out there. So, mm-hmm. what are some of the ones that you like to use, at least for the for the initial part of this? You know, uh, getting these messages into the system.
2: Yep. So, uh, I like to use a couple different patterns, if you will, for ingestion of the message. Uh, Probably first, and again, probably just with the BizTalk background, Logic Apps is always a good choice. Um, And I would say Logic Apps is especially a good choice if they have mapping. They actually just released a new mapper tool. Um, And so, again, it's that customer A format might be different than customer B format. Right. And so you want to map the messages into a what what we still call a canonical schema. Right. The, the format that you're going to use to process the message on your side, on the, you know, on the uh, company side. And so um, logic apps, you can easily, you know, there's so many ways to for the logic apps to be able to pick up messages and map those messages in. Um, you have, sev- you know, a- adapters for a workday. You have um you know some adapters for on-premise systems um so you can easily receive messages um the other one that i use and in logic apps is more of a transactional based so it would be at if you're sending in one message maybe a you know a couple messages because as the process goes through you're going to be uh processing them singly right it's a single process um but if you have a large amount of data um so i know we're Working on a file that has 7,000, 700,000 messages all in one file, um, we—I uh, like to use the Azure Data Factory, right? And that is splitting up a large load of, of messages, um, sending them through. You know, then you could put them onto the service bus and um, have even logic apps or some other system pick it up. Um, but that way, then you know, it's just—it's quicker. Um, it's for batch messages. Um, you have the ability to, if a single message fails, all the other one can still process, or you can fail the entire file. Um, you have that option. And so uh, again, those are the two, especially if there's mapping involved. Um, if there's not mapping involved, you can upload it to um, like a storage account, an Azure storage account, and use Event Grid to notify the downstream systems that there's a file there. Um, you know, so but that again is if you don't have to massage the file. But most of the time, you're going to want to take a look at the file and and split it up and massage it into the format you want.
1: So let's put uh... You know, you talked about how you use uh, BizTalk services before, and uh, I think, from what I'm hearing, what you just said, it's that Logic App seems to be the one closest to what BizTalk used to offer, right, in terms of functionality and features. Uh, that would be if someone's used was used to using BizTalk before. I don't know, Just BizTalk it's still, it's, same it's still around?
0: It's the It's the, the same, same team. team, actually, internally. <laughs> yes. Okay.
1: Yes. I honestly yes. didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: it is. Yes. So uh, before Logic Apps came along, it was called BizTalk Services in Azure. Um, okay. And it really was at the time where they, they almost took a BizTalk server and put it into Azure. So it was very, very familiar. Um, and then Microsoft actually bought a company... Um, and that they took the technology from that company, and that was what uh, Logic Apps came from. And so, but it's still very visual, so um, if you're not familiar with what this talk was, it had an orchestration pattern in it that, if you think of like a Visio diagram, people don't even know what Visio diagrams are now, so, um, but it's, you know, uh, the Uh, you know
0: there's a it's like it's like power apps i mean power apps and and um, logic apps and and all those have sort of that same visual feel
2: yeah of of, of the workflow you visualize the workflow and you have if statements and it's visual right and there's there's diagrams and there's lines that are you know showing you what's the next step um and actually power apps is built on top of logic app so um it the difference between power apps and um, logic apps is that you can't get into the code. So logic apps you could actually um, right click on it, get into the code um, and in you know manipulate it that way if you will if you want as well. You can also download the logic apps um, IDE so you don't have to you know develop it in the cloud You can develop it through Visual Studio um, so it gives you a lot more flexibility
0: where where's so, you know, you know, we talked about sort of the concept has existed for we won't get into the number of years, but a long time. You know, you know, at the at this point, but but when when you look at the evolution of it, is it is it really about the evolution and the ease of using the tools? Is it the evolution and ease of of sort of creating the environments? Like w- like when you look at this technology. What do you see that's the advancing part? What you know? Why should I? You know? What, what benefit am I going to have today that I wouldn't have had maybe I don't know five years ago or something like that?
2: Um, I mean, so obviously the right now what you would have is uh, I mean, putting it into Azure, um, you do have cost benefit. So you know, the on premise services took a lot. You would have to have two BizTalk servers. Um, as well as in two SQL servers at a minimum for high availability, yep. right? Now, yep. now you have the options to, you know, you're running it in Azure. Um, you can connect it to VNet if you want. You can have your own instance running, or you can have it running on a consumption plan, right? So um, it will run whenever you or you'll, get, you'll only get charged for whenever it runs. Um, so there's definitely a cost um, aspect of it. You know, as far as the functionality, it's very much on par. um, I would say with the functionality there, you know, there are some, there are some things that continue to improve. Um, You know, there's the ability, you know, now you can also integrate it better with other Azure and Microsoft services, if you will. Um, Obviously, you know, in the, what you had on the on-prem version, you had, you had adapters as well, um, but it, it didn't quite connect as, as easily um, you had EDI you had sap adapters and you still have all of that in the cloud um, but yeah now you know you can connect to this to Azure storage um, you can connect to service bus um, all all of these are with clicks instead of having to go fill in the information yep. so okay. the connectivity part is really really
1: you mentioned uh, service bus over there one of my mm-hmm. uh, favorite uh, topics yep. <laughs> uh, t- uh, let's explain to our listeners how that kind of works or ties in with uh, yep. you know an integration pattern like wh- where would you put that is that uh, on the way in on the way out of logic apps like how does that all work you know
2: um I mean it would depend on the scenario but it might even be both I guess it would depend on the mapping functionality um, on how you would want to use that. Um, But Service Bus gives you obviously the ability to queue messages, um, to do some order processing, um, as well as in the guaranteed delivery. So Logic Apps does not have guaranteed delivery. Um, I guess that's a bit of a difference than what we had on-prem, but Service Bus does. It will guarantee the delivery of the message or it will um, save the message into the dead letter queue if something happens. Um, But you do use, you typically use Service Bus um, on the outbound side so after you finish processing you'll you might use service bus to um, publish the messages out so um, logic apps is finished again you got the sales order message in you've called the inventory system the inventory system sends a message back Um, logic apps does all the correlation so you know okay this order that had five um, items on it we have 10 orders 10 items in um, stock so we can go ahead and fulfill this sales order message um, and then you might publish the message out so that, you know, the work, the floor could take this message and know, OK, we need to go grab those five items and put them into and start shipping them. I um, mean, you might even publish the message out onto, you know, a topic, a service bus topic. So that way, then, you know, both the workflow process can start as well, then a shipping process can start concurrently. Um, and then again, who knows what's coming down the road? Um, you know, it could be that you switch your shipping services um, and so you have to change the, you know, change the provider and you um, convert, you know, you have a new message or ha- have a new application and that uh, picks up those messages and you don't ha- want to actually change your process. Um, so that's where Service Bus comes in. It's the Pub, Publish and Subscribe functionality.
1: And then when you take the inbound side as well, like you mentioned earlier, that mm-hmm. files is a good, like, you know, a lot of customers will, 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 will have files mm-hmm. that they want to send us, right? Maybe a, yeah. a list of orders or something of that nature. How mm-hmm. does that work? Like, how, how do you just send a file to the system, you know?
2: <clears throat> um, I mean, so you can either send a whole file to uh, the system. I, I think I, from my experience, I've seen it more where uh, you would split the messages up again, more than likely using something like Azure Data Factory, and then send the messages to the, to Service Bus. Um, and from there, Logic Apps could pick, would pick up the messages and process them. Um, and again, it's the guaranteed delivery. So you have the messages going into Azure Data Factory where they're splitting it up. They might be mapping it, changing it, you know. Um, again, not all, not all messages come in the format you hope, and sometimes you have to glean data out and make it into the format you want to see. Um, And so that way then, again, if something happens during the processing of Logic Apps, um, so send it off to that inventory system and the inventory system goes down, right? You can't go back to your customer and say, what was that sales order that you submitted? (laughs) Um, And so, right, so that's where Service Bus would would have a copy of that order. You can reprocess it. um, You could send it back through once the inventory system is up. Um, so that's where you would use that message. Again, it's a lot for the guaranteed delivery and, and publish sub. You can also have more than one logic app or even a function or some other system subscribing to the messages at that point as well.
0: So Listening to you talk, so there's two questions that, that come mm-hmm. to my mind, Elizabeth. The, the first one is you know, you're talking about exchanging information back and forth um, between companies and, and organizations. That implies mm-hmm. some, some authentication mechanism because yeah. you probably don't want just anybody sending orders into your into your system How,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know w- when we talk about these different products and these different patterns what is the typical authentication look like is it you know i only allow you to send it if you're a certain source ip is it ad integration like what are what are my options there
2: um again it depends on what you decide with the customer if you are going to be sending a message directly into like an ad, into uh, uh, Right in service bus, you have uh, different different authentication. You can uh, create SaaS tokens, or you can do managed identities. Um, you know, you can do different different security there. If you are doing security directly to logic apps, you, you would want to put like API management in front of it, and that would actually handle the security. So you okay. could do certificates, and you could okay. do um, other types of handshakes. Um, you know that same with functions, I would probably recommend that if you're doing uh, the um, integration between you know an external customer and functions, that you would probably put API management in front of it. Um, and so, so that's that's a little bit more of the security. Obviously, you could. Um, I mean, Logic Apps does have its own security built into it. Uh, same with functions, um, it is just it's a token. Um, so obviously API okay. management would give you a little bit more options.
0: Okay. Okay. And, and then the, the, the second question I want to have on that is, you know, anytime I'm getting information from, um, somebody else, mm-hmm. um, actually you should theoretically do this even with da- with data that from somebody you trust, but theoretically I have to treat that other data sort of as untrusted, right. Which means I have mm-hmm. to be able to you know, sanitize it, I have to be able to deal with, mm-hmm. you know, different character sets, you know, all, all mm-hmm. that kind of funky things that can happen when we're sort of exchanging that information. Is that something that I have to write, you know, when we talk about these patterns, do I have to write my own code to handle that? Or do some of these tools give me, you know, do they sort of handle it at their layer so that, you know, is that the mapping that you that you talked yep. about earlier? Like, where does that come into play? Yes.
2: So that's where a lot of the mapping would come into play. Um, and again, it's the, you know, you, you could do, um, so even as you're mapping it. So again, if you're coming in, you're like, oh, I need to make sure that this field is always capitalized. Right. As you're right. mapping, you can actually do that validation okay. in there. Okay. Um, now, there are times, and there have been times, right, where you might want to sc- even scrub the data before it goes into mapping. Um, it could be that, you know, uh, again, it, you, you never know, quite know what you're going to get. Um, but you know, it could be like, Oh, they, you know, this customer is sending two return characters and that's causing a problem. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so you can, you know, you can actually write your own code just to do a quick scrubbing of, okay, let's remove all the return characters or, um, uh, you know, but you typically, I, I'm not gonna lie. You kind of find that out as you go along. Like, okay, for this customer. Hey, we that need record to this one extra step. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, so you can do that. But typically, you know, as we've gone along and I mean, the mapping now, it's it's much more sophisticated. So okay. it can handle a lot more than okay. what it used to.
0: OK, so so the mapping mm-hmm. is not just sort of about mapping my my fields to, to various pieces of my business. Like it's okay. also about sort of making sure that my messages are likely to yep. be able to be. Be handled and 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 by and so so really what that tells me is i should always be using some level of mapping even if i don't think i need it i should be doing it just to sort of make sure that i'm protecting myself against you know sort of some of these common Um, common problems
2: i mean more than likely you're going to use it when you're using integration i don't know if i mean now that you know json is definitely much more popular than even like flat file or Um, Those type of formats, you get a lot more. You can go a lot further with the JSON mapping and um, figuring that out. Um, But yeah, I mean, if you want to do any validation on it, it would it's quicker and easier to do it than going through kind of field by field, if you will. Right. right? Okay. Um,
1: And how about uh, you know observability? How does that work into these ingestion systems? Mm -hmm. Right. It's going through all these phases, these Azure services, obviously. we want to make sure that hey, all the orders are getting processed, and if there's a problem, you know where, where that might be. So, mm-hmm. what are some of the options here?
2: So, I mean, both Service Bus, Logic Apps, um, Functions. You'd have to build it in, um, but you can build that in as a header. But you can add. They have tracking IDs, um, and you. So you can, for example, like when you're if you're using like Azure Data Factory to Service Bus. Um, you can grab the uh, instance from Azure Data Factory, the runtime instance, and that could be their tracking number. And so, you, or uh, and there's also it's actually pipeline ID as well. So there's several different uh, uh, different items you can grab that are unique identifiers. It can be the tracking number. Um, you can put that onto the message going into the service bus, um, and then you can declare what the tracking ID is in Logic App. So. Um, you can actually save, uh, save that number and track it as it goes along. And then, obviously, um, as, you're, as it's processing, you can send that information to, like, Application Insights. Um, you know, they, all, uh, they do work with Application Insights. You can use Azure Monitor. Um, but each one has a way to look at the, the messages as they are processed. Um, so you can say, here's the run ID in Azure Data Factory. What happened in that run ID? Okay, now let's go over to Service Bus. Where's our um, tracking ID? Where's the run, you know, the Azure Data Factory run ID in Service Bus? Did the message go through? And then again, Logic Apps as well. Um, on, the, and on the dashboard, you can quickly and easily look at all the different messages that's going through. You can also filter through that, build queries. Um, but again, you just and then you just need to tie it all together, and more likely as your monitor, um, that application insights would also work.
1: Excellent. Yeah, this is a nice. So it's like this huge pipeline mm-hmm. that you're building out, right? To uh, mm-hmm. to to do this uh, ingestion, mm-hmm. the orchestration of your workflow, and then yeah. you know eventual sending yeah. it to some destination system. Uh, yeah. and it's all, all all possible in Azure itself. Uh yeah. Yeah. most of the time writing almost no code right I think which is a Correct. which is a which is a good thing <laughs>
2: but, I mean it's not no code so what I have found is that you always get to a point where you're gonna write code <laughs> like um, it's just you don't you know you don't want to make it so complicated you don't want to make these workflows so complicated that there's all these if statements and um, loops and it, it, again just probably as if you're writing your code right if you're're if you're writing too many loops you all of a sudden have to say stop what am I doing um, and so, uh, what I find is that most of the time you end up writing something in a function, um, and so just again little snippets of code to get what you need to get done. Um, and so, logic apps will, you know, you can build those into the logic apps. Um, again, you could also send uh, the messages directly from service bus to functions, um, but these are just little snippets of code. You know, it could be, uh, you know, we need to do a mathematical function that's very complex, and I want to do it in code, and uh, monitor it as well, test it separately. maybe uh, you can a- even call that mathematical function without having to call the logic app. Um, but I do find that you you I would say ninety percent of the time end up writing a little bit of code here and there to get what you to get it all the way complete. Um, and so so that's you know it's it's not codeless, um, but it is low code, definitely a low code solution
0: it, it's when i when I used to um... Uh, you know, run across these systems ages ago. This was almost always sort of some sort of a batch process that would run, you know, on a nightly basis or or mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. Um, it, in in this day and age, it, has that shifted mostly to things where now I'm probably not going to do it like 100% real time. It's sort of going to be warm path where there's going right. to be some level of asynchronous here. But can I can I do this stuff at scale now on a relatively short time frame with the the tools that are out there or am I still generally talking about things that are going to run, you know, once a day, you know, once every hour, or or can I go down at things? Hey, I might get a message every couple of seconds and I have to handle it. Can I build systems with the tools that you're talking about today to, to handle that kind of, of frequency?
2: Um, I mean, so the tools that I've been talking about are not typically low latency tools. Um, Now with that said, it's not, not that when it, it could be fast. Again, it would depend on how much processing you're doing. Yep. But I don't, it's not, it's not the goal uh, functions. You know, if you are doing low latency like that, you need something quick functions would probably be the best option. Okay. Um, again, you know, you spit. if you wanted to spin those up and run it really fast and return a response, um, but that would be coding as well. But yeah, the way I always think about it is, you know, these aren't low latency tools because you are, building in all the extra pieces that you don't need to build in your code. So when you think of um, service bus, right, you have the dead letter queue. you have the retryability and logic apps and, and Azure Data Factory also have retryability. Um, so if something fails, you can just press a button or um, write a snippet, right, to, uh, yep. to resend yep. the message through, um, you know, it has stayed, it has, um, the message tracking, right? But all of these, as you are adding this on, all these Big layers time. are get added yeah. on. They take a little bit of time, right? And so again, you know, it probably is low latency. But if if we were going to be, you know, 100% transparent, it, it's not right. It's not uh, milliseconds or yeah. Um, yeah. you know the SLAs are not milliseconds. So um, I'm not. Yeah, these tools are a bit more uh, batch. You're right. Yeah. Um, focused, okay. but not. Not necessarily all the time, right? It just it does depend on the SLA.
0: So so it sounds like probably I shouldn't really be thinking about these tools for like a real time processing, but I could certainly think about it for something that's on, you know, measured on tens of seconds or or something Mm -hmm. like that. You know, Mm which the real world is still pretty fast, but it's right. Right. You know, I I don't really want somebody sitting there going, I clicked a button, I want to wait for the this this type of in you know event processing to happen, right? That's probably where I want some a little bit more integrated. <laughs>
1: right. And on the flip side, I'd say that, you know, it has to be obviously reliability is the key part here, yeah. right? When yeah. Yeah. W- yeah. when someone's dropping a message there, they they want to know as as uh, you alluded to earlier, they want to it shouldn't be such a wait a minute, what happened to your order, right? No right. it's 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 you got it and you're going to take it, you know? Right. Yep. 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 Yep.
2: And so and that's what you're that's really what these are giving you is the reliability, the fact you don't want to go back to the customer and say, we lost the message, right? That's, that's the end goal is to not do that at all. Um, and so, you know, all of these tools give you the reliability, um, the high availability, you know, to, to have that uptime, to make sure you get the messages, um, have them processed. And again, and if there's errors, um, you know, to get the error notification so that you can handle it quickly and easily and um, get messages processing again.
0: That makes sense. But all
2: that's built in. You don't have to build it. And that's that's kind of the beauty of it.
0: Awesome.
1: Awesome thank you so much. This has yeah. been very, very enlightening. Uh, thanks Great. for sharing your expertise in this area and uh, if you have any resources, I know uh, you, uh, you talked about a lot of services. so if you want to just give us any okay. resources, things that you normally refer to, uh, you know patterns and practices, et cetera, uh, mm-hmm. just send them over to me and we'll put them along with the recording uh, of this episode uh, on the website. All
2: right, I will do that.
0: Awesome, and Elizabeth, I gotta ask before I go because this is a, a passion of mine. So I'm watching. I'm looking behind mm-hmm. you. You have two mm-hmm. shelves of a whole looks like one long series of books. Um, what is that series? We gotta we gotta tell our audience what that series is it's, it's... Uh,
2: So so that series is the Hardy Boys.
0: Oh, I love um, those. I read all mm-hmm. of those growing up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Hardy
0: Boys, Nancy Drew, and Bobsey Twins. I think was the other one, right? It,
2: yeah, there's even an older one that I at least I read called Boxcar Kids or uh, Boxcar I don't know that I read family,
0: those, but, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, so
2: yeah, yeah, that's um, awesome. When we bought them, I will, uh, the idea had been that we would also get Nancy Drew series, and yeah. um, we have not, we, we've stuffed the Hardy Boys, but I, I always enjoy <laughs> Nancy Drew as well. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. No, you can just see it. I, I love it when you see that somebody's clearly got a passion yeah. for some some yeah. author or some series right out there. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Okay. Cool. Awesome.
1: All right. Thank you.
2: All right.
0: Thanks, Thank Elizabeth. You. All right. Thank you for listening to the show. If you have any thoughts, questions, or just want to connect, find us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Background music has been taken from ccmixer.org under the Creative Commons license. We hope you'll tune in again soon to keep learning with us.